for The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And today we're here to discuss the, what is it, the sixth episode of This Is Us. This one's called In the Twenties. So this was a very interesting episode in that in my limited viewing of the show, I don't know that I've seen any of their younger adult phases. No, this is the first time that we're seeing this age range. Um, so we've had we did a little bit of math and they should be late 20s. So we are getting to see a whole new side of them. And I didn't really know how they were going to do it. Obviously, when they played them as 10-year-olds and littler guys, they had other actors. But in this case, they just worked on the makeup and changed their hair. Right. And some smoothing. Some smoothing, some bangs. Some Dwayne Wayne glasses. <laughs> and voila, you are in your 20s. So what do you want to start? Let us begin with our flashback, because I feel like there was some information given there that really, I think, informs what was going on more into their 20s. All right. So the setup is that we are looking at one of the kids' Halloweens. Well, 1990. It's, it's everyone's Halloween, but yeah, the kids get everybody, to go to. Everybody's participating in 1990. Jack and Rebecca go as Sonny and Cher, which seems slightly out of touch in 1990 because, you know, it's 1990. Right, right. It's Who- like they're they're destined to try to keep Jack and Rebecca in that really 70s place. Well, I haven't seen a lot of the show from that era, but I do. I have seen the pictures of Milo with the longer, uh-huh. you know, handlebar mustache, and and obviously he keeps that that older car. Mm-hmm. Um, so he must have a fondness to warm up for this. Carolyn and I checked out this this YouTube recap, and this millennial <laughs> referred to their pairing as Cher and Sunny. Which kind of hurt my heart when I heard it like that because it's just so wrong. It's like pepper and salt. Like, what are you talking about? Salt and pepper. Sunny and Cher. What the hell is the matter with you? You don't say it the other way. It's weird. Right. It was just painful. And further nail in the coffin that millennials are boobs. (laughs) Nice, Paul. Not to in any way scare off any listeners in the millennial generation oh no please come listen you are clearly a smart millennial because you're listening right you're cream of your very limited crop so the kiddos head out for halloween as michael jackson for randall which was very popular um then we have a kind of a funny one for kevin i wonder why they went with this one he's a bum with a cigar I don't feel like that that is like anything that exactly resonates. Does it mean anything to you? As a kid who would have probably done some trick-or-treating in 1990, no. No, that, no. I'm not sure. I don't quite get that one. I, I'm i going to have to keep like paying attention for that one. Then, but they said that he had worn it. This, he, this is like his thing. Like he wears this bum with a cigar yeah. outfit um, if i got that read right yeah no he did they said it was like his perennial ensemble so i thought that was kind of weird and then kate who was supposed to be a veterinarian which apparently becca was actually sewing the coat man back in the day before amazon when moms actually had to sit there and try to create these costumes now we just make sure we get it 
on Prime, so it gets here quick enough. But um, at the last minute, Kate's like, you know what? No, I'm actually looking to catch this boy's eye, old Billy, so I need to go as Sandy. Sandy. Now, Grease keeps a certain level of popularity most of the time, but I don't know that... No, no, stop. Whatever you're saying over there, you're totally dead wrong. Everybody's into Greece. And there's a certain time period when girls are into Greece. Well, there's not that often a time period when boys are into Greece. It's unrelated because she just wants to look pretty. Oh, and so she wants to find something cheerleader pretty. Sandy. Yes, cheerleader Sandy goes very pretty. That's how you would be like, yes, yes. Sex I want to Sandy look pretty. Does the is just intimidating for you to be <laughs> when you're small. That's not right. But it brought up a couple of issues because Jack was quick to be like, all right, like let's figure out how we can, you know, switch you over to Sandy. And Becca was totally like, no, you know, we you can't be swapping it around and changing it all the time. And wanted her to go, you know, with the outfit she went with, with the with the vet's outfit. Well, I found this interesting because then we have Randall's whole sitch where he had made this map and it was all about effectiveness, which I kind of thought was very true to Randall now. And that, you know, it would be all about maximizing effectiveness no matter what Randall was up to now. Yeah. And it turns out that Kate and Kevin want to head over to a haunted house and Randall's like very stuck on his plan. You know, his plan was to go to the trick-or-treating in this certain way. Now, what's interesting to me is what the adults are arguing about, about like basically Jack's like, just go with the flow. And Becca's like, no, you have to stick with the plan. And then it all plays out where now Becca's going to coddle Randall, who's all, I have to stick to the plan, which is exactly what Becca's argument is with the vet's costume. Yeah. And Jack's like, no, let's go with the flow. And so he takes the two that are totally like, let's change it up and do what makes sense now. So it was interesting to watch those two. We haven't actually seen Randall take on a lot of characteristics of Becca. We often draw parallels to Jack and like, oh, he's such a great dad and he's, you know, trying so hard for his family. And it's like, yeah, but look, he like also may have gotten these traits from his mother. Interesting parallel. I I did not get that on the first viewing, but it totally makes sense what you're what you're saying cuz yeah, I didn't expect them to split up actually. I mean, I I I thought they would go as a group, but no. Well, and just that that Rebecca's characteristics haven't really been talked a lot about. We had the brothers episode. So there was a ton of like, what characteristics do the boys have? Like what patterning has gone down? And then, you know, we've talked about Rebecca and Kate and like, what patterning are we, are we doing again? But not really with the boys. And so it was like, uh, this this episode expanded on Rebecca quite a bit. It really did. Even I think, I think. Kevin's behavior about wanting to be well liked and wanting to be the star of the show. That's all Rebecca. So as we said, Jack and Kevin and Kate, they go their way. What did you think about the reveal there that it was really that they wanted to go to the haunted house because Kate was really hoping that Billy held her hand and you had Jack out there sweating it because he was concerned that Billy was going to act like a jerk. And then Kevin is sort of this like quiet hero in the scenario. It was it was a lot of things all at once. It was sweet that Kevin would would do that. I mean, at at, a, at that age, um, candy is sort of like currency. Oh, it, it is currency, man. So to give up your your annual haul for this thing for your sister is is a big deal. But on the other hand, 
man, it's just there's only so many so so often you can you can do that for another person before some ugly reality sets in that Billy wasn't going to hold her hand without being bribed, you know, like it's going to hurt if that ever comes out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think in the 20s, it certainly does come out. Yeah. Well, we can see later on that Kate has nothing at all figured out in, in her in her mid-20s. Well, and he holds her hand figuratively there. But, I mean, it, it doesn't go anywhere in the same way. It was like all hollow. Yeah. You know? So, on the other side of town, we've got Rebecca doing the trick-or-treating with Randall. And they have this back and forth about the Larsons. Now, first of all, would you make Randall go trick-or-treat at a particular house? Or would you be like, who cares? You only have one out of the three kids anyway. It's not like one of those things like, the, the Larsons are going to expect to see us and we're not there. Me? No. Because he had already made his map. He doesn't like licorice. He knows that they give licorice. He had his own personally, you know, good reason to not bother with their house i agree so do you think that the reason why she did it was just because of what jack had said like he's too stuck on the plan he's got to loosen up and you know so she kind of used this as this little moment to say you know what no i know it's not on the map but i'm still gonna say we have to go do this and and this is a moment when you have to like exercise that patience about doing something that's not in the plan yes um and story-wise, it turns into uh, a disaster. Fire, right? So it, it does make one of those like I made him do it, and it turned out so terrible for him. Kind of things to kind of turn the screws on the parents. You know what I mean? I do. And so some people were saying like, "Oh, do you think that it was that Randall didn't realize he was adopted, and that's why he was so shocked by this story?" But honestly, I didn't think that that was what was going on. I just think that he didn't know that there was a third baby, especially the way that the Larsons had phrased it with the, that they lost a child. And he thought it was literal that he was like, where did you lose the baby? You know, like, where mm. is he? And she was like, not lost like we can't find him, but lost like he died. And this entire part about, you know, the idea that you can lose a baby at birth and you know everything could be healthy and everything could be good but then all of a sudden the baby dies i think that is exactly what's informing later in the 20s randall's i we don't know his entire breakdown but i think that that's like part of his anxiety have we met the larsons before not that i know of not that i can remember the they, name is not familiar they seem like those kind of people that show up to a multi-generational christmas party and ask when phil's going to change into a santa suit you know <laughs> in, in, in front of the kids right and you you're like I mean? uh <laughs> yeah i mean and i guess i mean what they said to him wasn't necessarily mean or anything. I mean, they said something like, you're a miracle, you know, and it's so great that they that they adopted you, that kind of thing. I mean, in a way, it's like, okay, but on, on an obvious, like, common sense standpoint, it's Halloween. What are you doing? Like dropping the drama on the 10-year-old. Yeah, 10 -year -old. I mean, and, and even if you, even if he knew everything, why would you bring that up on Halloween? You know, like, it's just, just so weird. The Larsons are clearly those you'd rather not exist in your sphere, <laughs> right? Yes. So that was the the crux of our um, flashbacks this week was really sort of understanding how, you know, the dynamics in the household, though I think that they've been clear over these season and a half we've seen so far that, you know, Jack is always the more relaxed parent and always the one that's going to be more... Um, soft-handed with Kate and then you have Rebecca who's 
always, you know, more with Randall and stuff. So they, I felt like, you know, it did, it did tell a little bit more of the story, but it, it was just sort of like reinforcing what we already knew about their dynamic. Did you sort of feel anything new or different about this? Well, I think it's important to, to kind of go back over your, your idea that, that it's, it's not that he's adopted or didn't know that he was adopted. It's that no one ever made it sound like or seem like he was uh, a replacement baby. And for a 10-year-old kid to kind of have that knock the wind out of his sails on Halloween, like right there, is um, kind of a testimony to Randall's depth of, of character and and thought and and how much he you know absorbs uh, this this kind of stuff you know I definitely think that for anyone who's lost a baby and they didn't really get into it you know um in terms of like they didn't ever show them holding the baby that had passed away or anything like that when they say the line I bet he looked like you that was like oh you know that like hurts your belly because you know I I'm sure that there's there's not there's not enough room in their lives to really mourn for Kyle and mourn for the fact that that child is not there because they're very, very focused on including Randall and making everybody feel like this is the way their family was supposed to be. And if you're very like, this is the way we're supposed to be, you can't spend any time on the person who's not there. Yeah. You can't. And so, you know, even just saying, I bet he looked like you or then that's something that's like, oh my gosh, you know, that's really, really picking a scab painful stuff so let's hit the lightweights in their 20s let's hit kevin and kate first man i mean to be honest with you you know they adopted randall and they didn't they didn't necessarily have to do that that day right if kate and kevin were the offspring of jack and rebecca we would think like wow they're really shitty parents (laughs) well no honestly if these were the two that you had as your only two for your offspring, right? I mean, Randall is bringing up the average in such a major way. I mean, Kate seemed to do nothing. Like after high school, apparently she didn't go to college or anything. She just became a waitress and is has like no life plan. And, you know, Kevin intimated that she basically like sits outside their burned down lot where the house used to be eating, waiting for dad to kind of show up. Which to me, I, you know, oh my God, you know, I mean, it's just awful. And then Kevin is a shampoo boy and is just completely like bitching and moaning to the customers, which man, as somebody getting their hair washed, I can just tell you, no, thank you. Don't even, <laughs> don't. This is like my time. This is my me time. I do not need to share a Kevin moment. I I just thought it was like, oh my God, these two are such a mess, you know? Yeah, they they were definitely uh, ships just floating random directions and they were definitely losers is, is yeah. how it kind of added I mean, up. and I don't want to be that harsh because- Not that I mean, shampoo boys and waitresses are inherently losers. I'm just saying that these two were doing very losery things in uh, addition they're to They're certainly their making very, very bad choices. Very bad choices. Bad choices to people who- 
are were potentially good people in their lives. So let's start with Kevin. So he has a roommate, Zeke, who is ecstatic that he has gotten a part. And Zeke seems like such a kind hearted guy that he even tells Kevin, like, you know, don't worry about paying rent this month. I'll cover you. You know, don't worry about paying me back or anything, which was like super kind in like the cutthroat world of like beginning acting. And, you know, I just feel like he was such a good guy inviting him to the party so he could make connections. What did you think of Kevin's asinine behavior? It was predictable in that in that moment when when he's talking to the director and he starts talking about his friend's part. You, you knew where that was going to go. Oh, my God. When he says, well, don't you think he's kind of a character actor? Yeah. I mean, that is such a euphemism for like ugly. Right. Ugly guy. He's a character actor. It. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that there's a way to do all that schmooze talk in Hollywood, but I don't think you can be either have to be like wildly overt <laughs> or much more subtle, but just being like, Hey, don't you think this ugly guy's not really the, well, the, and offering the way the to, part's written? Offering to read for the part that was already given to your friend? Yeah. What are you doing? No. It was, That's like your best friend just like kissed a girl and you're like, well, maybe you want to kiss me and see if it was better. Then you could choose me instead of him. Like, what are you talking about? That's not a thing. I guess he was hoping for that kind of girl. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, he got the door slammed in his ever-loving face. That was so stupid. I mean, here was a chance to try to get ahead and make connections, and instead he burned a bridge. Oh, my God. So speaking of burning bridges, we've got Kate, who seems to have this great rapport with this guy in the diner that she's working at. And, you know, they seem super friendly and great. There was a little bit of like, huh, when she goes to meet him at his bar and um, you you know later on why this was. But I thought it was related to her weight probably when. I think we were supposed to think that because the way that the other guys glanced over at her and then there was that like a ha 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 kind of thing. And he kind of looked all nervous. Yeah. I feel like, okay. Now, why I think that it seemed more about weight and not because he was married is because I would hope if there was a group of guys and a guy walked over and he was a married man, I hope there'd be a little more like frown eyes. Yeah, a little like WTF, dude. Uh, yeah, and a little less Dolores like... Dolores is at home. What's yeah, going on and here? and like a little less like... <laughs> and a little more like... Uh? But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I obviously this guy is a it, real scummy dude. If you had any any pack of the guys that you know, that would stand out. And the rest of us would be like, what is going on here? But if you had some guy who was well known for his philandering ways and it wasn't a surprise, then it would be like, well, you know, that's what he does. I don't know why she puts up with it, but, you know, that's their thing. Do you suppose that... This 20s timeline will continue at all in in future episodes. And if it does, do you think it will reveal just where it is that Kate might have developed her knowledge of how babies don't end up getting born sometimes? Okay, so I, are you asking me if you think that sleeping with this merry man is going to yield a pregnancy? 
Well, if you want to just get right to it, yes. Okay. I, I mean, I like where you're going with that because I had a real strong feeling that it didn't make sense for her to be so anxiety ridden about the pregnancy. It seemed to reek of past experience, like she's lost a baby in the past. The most nervous pregnant woman we've ever met are those that have that of have course lost. that have lost i mean and any anyone that's normal i mean it, it and honestly it doesn't even matter what it is it could be a job it could be you know uh, whatever if you've had a situation where you've lost before you're you're bound to be more nervous the next time so i am with you and i mean i think that it would lead to some more explanation about like a downhill slide for her even further because it it would just be such a negative scenario for her. And I could even see, you know, by the end of this episode, she opts to move out to work with Kevin and leave Pittsburgh. And so she's kind of starting a new step. So what a wrench to throw in that like, haha, you thought you left your life behind and these crappy choices in Pittsburgh. Oh, wait, you know, you actually are pregnant. I'm, I'm interested to know how that turns out, because if it, it, it could explain a little about how she is if, if she decides to kind of just hide it and go through it alone. But it would explain a lot more about how she and Kevin kind of locked in together if if he helped her kind of deal with this. I think so. And I think that the idea that, you know, if she if she decides to have an abortion or if she has a miscarriage, I think there's a lot there that goes back to that bad things just seem to happen to me comment that she had the previous episode yeah, and we were sort of like, well, what is she yakking about? What are all these bad things that happened to her? Like they're going to need to expand on that. Well, I mean, trying to start over the new life and finding out you're pregnant with a married man's baby is definitely feeling like bad things are, are happening to you. It's a bad you. start. Yeah. It's a bad start. So I was glad to see that she opted to move out with Kevin and it did explain how she got there, mm -hmm. you know, like what would prompt her to be going so poorly where she was that she would sort of up and go. I, I'm really interested in the like right after Jack dies and they're 17. And so we are like graduating. I, I want to see like who went, went to college and, and, and where did everybody go and what, like, what was Kate's plan? What was anyone's plan that they ended up, you know, shampoo boy, waitress, you know, what, what was going on exactly? So I hope we get more of that. I don't know if, by having them play their same parts, I know there's been all this talk about like Chrissy um, perhaps losing weight throughout the series. And then so maybe um, having her like have to put on some like fat suits at various points. Uh, so she looks heavier. I would have thought a little bit that maybe if any of that were true at all, that it would have made some sense to make her look a little like like take off some of the fat suit stuff for like her 20s so that they could show a difference. Between like what size she was in her 20s to what size she was now almost in her 40s. You she know? looked the same to me. She looked the same. So, but didn't it kind of seem like she was like, it had gotten worse by the time that she had decided to go like the fat farm and the gastric bypass and all this talk. Like it was sort of like, but it has been the same, you know, like you look exactly the same. And I yeah. don't know if we're supposed to feel that. It's just that what I had heard is I thought part of her contract was that she would need to lose weight over the course of the series. I had heard that too, but I don't know that I ever read that from someplace like Variety or someplace that's substantial, or if I just kind of heard that on Facebook. But why would we have both know? heard that, like completely independent of each other? I don't know. Well, then that's a pretty darn good rumor. Or I really thought they were going to use that to kind of show that the weight came on more 
as she kind of got more well, maybe, and more but down. Present day Chrissy is still the size Heavier, she is. Right. So she, you know, younger Chrissy's going to be that size too. That makes sense. Let's move on to, well, do you have anything to sum up about Kevin and Kate? I mean, like I reiterate, like they are the only two biological children of Jack and, and Rebecca. And frankly, not impressed. Like they did not grow up to be people who are either like some people with integrity. I mean, one undercuts his roommate, the other one knowingly very much like meets up with a guy who doesn't have dates or anything, just goes and sleeps with him and stuff like, wow, these are some wretchedly bad choices. At least they gave us just the indicator that that the path to where we caught up with them in episode one, season one, started right there when when she moved out there and he took his improv class and he figured out that he could, you know, be funny and and really practice his chops being on stage and performing and all that kind of stuff where he was just getting by on looks before now he's actually starting to do the work. Um, so like if he didn't, if he didn't go to college or whatever, right. I mean, he wouldn't have gotten that extra acting training that, I mean, there are success stories of people that just get into acting, but no, no, by no, and for large, sure. but a it's lot just that of them. He's like 20. They, so we're guessing they're like 29. He says to her, I haven't had an audition in like a year. Well, okay. The last time we saw them, they hadn't even graduated high school yet. Mm -hmm. So I am curious of like, how did he, you're right. You, he could have dove right in and started acting and stuff, but it's been a long time. I mean, it's been, we figure out eight years since Jack passed, they say, yeah, or, that's, or they right say, in. I shouldn't say that it was eight years since Rebecca had spoken to Miguel. That's what the Facebook interaction revealed. But I don't but I think it's more years than that than Jack actually passed. Yeah, I think in that after show thing we watched, I think they said it was 10. Yeah, like 10. Yeah, 10 years, which hmm. would make sense. I mean, you might keep up with your life for like a year or two and then sort of fall away from the same friends. But that's a good point. I mean, if it had been say 10 years because we look we probably was a high school junior senior so he maybe he was 17 so if he like dove right into the acting world that's a lot more rejection than people usually can deal with and i you know kind of I mean? feel like that the family like he would be it would be known that he was not being successful it you wouldn't be able to hide it they'd be like what are your credits for the last decade if that's what you'd been doing but if you don't been doing it for like I said, like a year, a little more, something like, okay, well, maybe you're still sort of like, I'm getting out there, I'm working on it. You can kind of hide it better. But I'm just sort of now I'm, I'm even more curious about where it all goes. And I'm real curious about how they will kind of um, fuse the like where the teenagers are and the actors that play them. And the actors like Chrissy and stuff, like when, when will they try to fuse them? In the timeline, like when does one become the other? They're doing just because I'm curious. They're doing it very well. Whatever they're doing, it's working to make it just compelling and watchable. And like, I want to know what happens next. Very much. That is one thing that the show always has going for it is like we're all slobbering for the next episode for sure. And you know who really does that for me the most? The R man. The R man. <laughs> Randall. Randall. I mean, he is such a huge hearted guy and he's like the guy you just want to root for so bad. And even when he is showing every bit of weakness, which with like Kate and Kevin, there's something that's so interesting about how they can be so flawed and you can use the word like loser 
And Randall can be so flawed, having a nervous breakdown, you know, just really having a hard time handling it. But we would never say that about him. We'd be like, well, he's trying his best. He's working through his problems. You know, like it's interesting how there's something about either the way the stories are told or the way that we're receiving the stories. I'm not sure what it is where we're real, real, real judgmental about Kate and Kevin and very forgiving about Randall. Well, I mean, this version of Kevin needed a handout in order to not be homeless. You know what I mean? And then Kate made her own. Dead, literally. <laughs> right. Randall, on the other hand, looks like if he's not in his current big house, he's still in a pretty big house. Oh, no, he's in the big house. And that was actually one thing that when Kate and Kevin come after the baby's born, Kate's like, this house is huge. So he clearly has only just had this house within the last, you know, since they've seen him last. They've never been in the house, house before. He's got his family started. He's got his career going. He's got the big house. I mean... So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tougher for me to to give him loser status. <laughs> well, and I just I, I don't I'm what I mean is it's not that I think he he should be called that. It's just I wonder. I mean, it's clear then, you know, what report card you're using to to judge Kevin and Kate. But see, I'm even doing it based on like their 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 judgment, the way that they're like handling themselves, you know, mm-hmm. and it's interesting that Randall, you know, has a lot of flaws like he's having a hard time and even the part when um he's bringing rebecca in from the airport and rebecca and beth are are talking downstairs and beth is very pregnant and she's trying to you know intimate to to rebecca like he's 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 really struggling and everything and he comes down and he and he kind of at least in a very stern way i don't want to say barks at them but certainly in a very stern way is like i can hear you you're both terrible at this whispering thing and, I, you know, I, but there was something about that, that like if it was Kevin or Katie who said it, we'd be like, what a snot. Like, I can't believe that they would talk so crappy to the pregnant wife and and their mother who just showed up to help. But something about Randall, we're like, pass, you're given the big pass because, of course, you're having a hard time right now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just think that I don't know if the show handles him with with this extra loving care or if we do as as individual viewers paul and caroline or if the viewership as a whole treat him more kindly i don't know there's something to it even though like we all love jack like crazy and he clearly dotes on kate but she's not the one i dote on Mm -hmm. so i don't know it's interesting i wonder what the what the inner workings of what a scientist would say about us all well both of those characters uh, Randall and Jack have a, a built-in fan club in the show. So every episode, every episode, Rebecca tells somebody or Jack himself how awesome he is, regardless of whether or not he has been in a drunken stupor for the previous six months. She tells him how awesome he is. That's true. And Beth is the same thing for Randall. The only people telling us how great they are with Kevin and Kate is, well, no one says anything about Kate except maybe Toby. No, Toby is always but saying But Kevin's great. just saying how great he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, is. wow. And that is so, what an intriguing little reveal there to kind of look at and be like, what is with that? You know, you're right. All this outside praise certainly informs us. I mean, we're like sitting here being like, well, you know, is a good guy. But man, are we just parroting what... Rebecca and, and you know, Beth say about him or what's up with that? So very interesting. So we it is revealed the timeline of Randall's initial nervous breakdown. We think 
because he tells Daisha that he's had two nervous breakdowns in his life and we have seen one in season one, then this one was earlier than that because the the um the one last year was truly last year. Yeah. Um, and so then this one would have been right before Tess was born. So we're don't know exactly what contributed to that beyond just the impending birth of his first child. But if there were other factors that were playing in, I would like to know. I hope we get to see that nervous breakdown because I know you haven't gotten a chance to see this nervous breakdown, but it was a big deal. And and Kevin plays into it. And and I mean, it's like one of those things where it's like, I don't know, you, you really... I, again, I think that that's where a lot of the compassion comes from with Randall because we've seen a lot of his weaker moments play out on this on this on the screen, whereas Kate and Kevin's weakest moments we've just been told about. Like Kevin hurt his leg, but we didn't see him hurt his leg. You know, we've seen blips of him in the hospital, blips of him on the football field, but not him hurting. You know, yeah. We've seen Kate's. You know, they've talked about the the loss of her dad, but we haven't seen any of that stuff yet. So. Randall's the only one who's like acted it out on screen for us to experience those losses. I think it's that's part of the difference. So it's interesting. It's sort of unbalanced that way, even though the show is pretty balanced in terms of like screen time. It's like they're really investing in Randall. They are. And I'm not sure if that's on purpose at this point. Is is he our focused character? story arc wise, full, you know, series? Or, you know, is it just happened to be that you know, we're kind of heavy on him right now, but when we look at the series from start to finish, it'll be pretty balanced. It could be. It. I mean, if this is a five-year show, then perhaps they've got it. Like, you know, uh, we've heard Damon Lindelof try to describe how showrunners create seasons and how he wanted to build the final two seasons of The Leftovers around like single concepts. And he got that idea from... Vince uh, Gilligan from Breaking Bad in that each Breaking Bad season had its identifiable like single word high concept boom you know that that's like they're you know they're in the basement or they're in the lab or they're or whatever the different things were and he wanted that same thing well maybe this show doesn't need that kind of stuff because it's got such strong characters so it could be like, this is the Randall season. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. And but it, the question mark is then who's is Because I would say that last season was really heavy with Randall because of William. You know, the whole concept of searching for his dad and he finds him and, you know, William's passing and everything. I mean, it is so huge. And Jack is so looming over both seasons, you know, to be like, it's so much about Jack and, and his story. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be that way. I mean, I think when it comes to a family series, you gotta have it where it can't be so strong on one character. You know, it sure. doesn't it doesn't it doesn't usually work out that way. Not know, in the best you, the you, best ensemble casts aren't like that. You wanna feel like um there's no time off, you know, when you're watching it. After you're done watching, you'd be like, well, okay, they didn't really do much with X this week or whatever, but but you don't want to go into every episode knowing, oh yeah, whenever they're on screen, nothing important happens. Well, you know what it makes me think of? Because because when you say the word ensemble cast, to to you, what show comes to mind like immediately? Do you have do you have a show if I say like, oh, that was like really an ensemble cast? Maybe even the first time you maybe even heard that phrase. Um well this is out of nowhere, but 30 something. 
Uh, okay, so for me, it's friends because I feel oh. like they just said it's an ensemble cast. You know, they all get paid the same. It's the ensemble cast. But I mean, I I definitely watched every single episode. I could tell you lots and lots and lots of stuff. But you cannot tell me that the Rachel Ross story it plays right. into what Phoebe and whoever she ended up with, or Joey and whoever he ended up. With. You know, like it's like come on. And even though they had Chandler and Monica get together. Even that's like, sorry, you're your B story compared to Ross and Rachel, you know? Phoebe and so, was just smelly cat. and No, but she, I mean, she had whole episodes, but but by the end, because now we have the benefit of seeing the whole series, sorry, it's still about Ross and Rachel, you Ross know? And, Rachel, yeah. and so that's the thing. But how much was it ensemble cast? Everybody gets paid the same. We're all equally important. All this kind of stuff. And it's like, so... Can you be all equally important and the story still kind of revolve around one or two characters? Is that even a possibility? Works for friends. It did, you know? So, all right, moving on back to the show we were watching, which which we should, is uh, let's talk about the idea of like you've been an expecting father. You've had a big pregnant wife two times. Well, if I understand what Randall describes to the hardware store guy about the reason for his his nervous breakdown as far as he understood it was that this whole pregnancy thing and giving birth and all that kind of stuff was something completely out of his sphere of control. And that was too much for him to deal with. Now this former expectant father has never felt a control over anything. (laughs) (laughs) So finding out that there's one more thing that I don't have control over doesn't doesn't like <laughs> shake me all that, all that much. Nice. Well, were you freaked out? I mean, I know for us, I mean, we had our girls. <laughs> we had kind of a different situation. We did, we did. So our girls were born at 23 weeks. So that's insanely early. But our son was full term and he was at, we were actually induced with him. He actually like, I mean, there wasn't a lot with him and his actual delivery or anything or the days right before his delivery, that seemed very like, it was just like, all right, we're going to have this third kid and then we're going to have three babies. Like it wasn't, I don't think the focus was on the labor and delivery or any any of that kind of stuff for, for me. It was more about like three infants, like three freaking infants in 10 and a half months. We went from zero to three infants. Well, I think I could have been eligible for everybody. For a nervous breakdown? Yeah. And nobody <laughs> would have been like, what a wimp. My God. <laughs> Everyone would have been like, well, yeah, me Expected. too. I, w- I would go. I would too. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us, I mean, if you guys want to see some bad looks, be in the NICU, <laughs> pregnant with twins in the NICU, like, come on now. It's, I mean, it's honestly. It's not a good status symbol. The nursery is just like pulling me to the side, like, are you okay? Is he hurting you? I'm like, I'm fine. I swear. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, it's. It's like one of those things that were like, I think I was looking further out and maybe he was too, you know, in terms of like, how am I going to raise a baby? What am I going to do? What's going to happen? I appreciated, you know, the fact that the the clerk in the hardware store who was a super great guy, I wish that he was like going to be around more in the show. If he was like their local grocer, I would love that if we saw him weekly because he was great. I thought he did a great, great job. What a wonderful gift that he gave Randall and saying like the baby will know, you know, the baby will know who you are and you and you will know who you are when you see the baby and all that kind of stuff. The baby has the answers. I love that. My my mom's a nurse. And and when we talk about things like breastfeeding and even just child rearing in general, she always uses the analogy that it's like a dance, like you're trying to 
both play your part and you know to assume that the baby knows what they're doing or or you're supposed to know what you're doing is like no y'all are just learning it together and you kind of find your rhythm together i think that that's so reassuring to hear from another person who's done it before yeah did uh, you get any good advice when 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 we were pregnant or right right after we had kids or anything did you get any did anybody give you any like you can do it man the baby will know no Unfortunately, in our situation, there was no Dr. K around, nobody to, to, to really. We actually I mean, had a Dr. J. Yeah, we did. <laughs> How weird is that? Our situation was just like nobody was kidding around. Nobody had voice, you know, voiced any inspirational words. Nobody had any group prayers. This was more like we're in the middle of an emergency. Cut that shit out, <laughs> you know. Well, they were in an emergency as well. Well, yeah, so right. And yeah, they did their jobs professionally and that doesn't include that other stuff. At least it didn't that day. Very true. I don't know what else there is. So you mentioned um uh, an interesting piece of trivia regarding Sterling K Brown and his uh delivery at at his home with Beth. Yeah, I mean it turns out and I don't know if they got this from the real life story of of Sterling, but it turned out that he actually had delivered his own baby at home. And I thought that that was kind of a cool, funny little like real life parallel. Was it uh, like with a doula or was it an emergency like this? It says that it was an unexpected home delivery with their first child, Andrew. Sounds like an emergency to me. Yeah, it totally was. So, um, at least unexpected. So for sure, it sounds very, very, very similar. That's pretty awesome, though. I mean, because, you know, most actors, they just got to fake whatever it is that they're doing. You know, they were never in the middle of a battle. They were never football heroes, whatever. You know what I mean? But he delivered a baby. <laughs> yeah. No, he totally did. I'm, I'm with you. Totally. So, yeah. I, what did you think about the fact that he had... Um, that right from the get go, they had what would have been the plan to, of course, go to the hospital and all this kind of stuff. They threw it right out the window. And right from the get go, Randall had to be literally a hands on father with no plan in place. It was kind of this uh, wonderful marriage of his of his his fear of losing control and his need for having control all in the same event. So many things can go wrong in the in childbirth, but he was the one there controlling, well, at least the external side of it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So it was it was a great way. I mean, it was very dramatic and unforeseen, but it was also a great way for him to kind of wrap his brain around his 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 control needs in all this i think i was super proud of him because i thought for a moment that rebecca might actually start controlling that situation because she's given birth before and you know he was in such a, a fragile state or just earlier in the episode so i thought in a minute she might be like randall you gotta snap out of it you gotta do this you know like that kind of pep talk but he stepped right up and he just became that guy Randall's the kind of guy who, by the time delivery was supposed to happen, he probably had read enough medical journals to know <laughs> what true. to do, what, you know, when to boil the water, whenever. <laughs> That's very true. That's You're, one of those TV things. Boil some water. Yeah, right? boil some water. Everything's got to be sterile. We also found out the origin of the baby's name. 
not so much the hardware store guy's name. However, it was the name of the model of that crazy fan in the bedroom that was making Randall so nuts. It was like the Tassano brand fan that he was going to go buy over at the hardware store. He had the pamphlet in his pocket and he pulled it out. And then the baby was named Tess. Oh, so, I see. I was I was distracted during that scene. So oh? I did not I did not notice that little detail. You didn't? No, that's funny, though. Well, so let's talk a little bit about that that last scene there, because the Rebecca scene with Randall was very heartfelt, very heavy. I know a lot of people who said I was I hung in there through most of the episode, but that really just turned on the waterworks. So Rebecca and Randall kind of post game the whole birth with a bittersweet, how do you call it, description of of how Rebecca's feeling in that although she's happy for Randall and having been there and been a part of the whole operation, she is still in a place, even though it's several years after Jack's death, where she thinks of things in terms of another thing that Jack missed. That's like punch in the gut and it helps you get a little bit better understanding for the old Rebecca that we see later and how she didn't just jump from, you know, Jack to Miguel or Jack to being this kind of icky older lady or whatever she had all this middle time too where she was sounds like tormented absolutely for, for several years and she does refer to it as like that middle time um when she's talking with the baby oh yeah the, rebecca's talking to the baby but but they're showing both when she first decided to go talk to baby randall uh-huh. and now she's talking to to randall's baby and they're intercutting the same kind of stuff. It almost sounds like she's giving both babies the same speech. Right? And that Jack is like in the window behind her. That was like, Because uh. <laughs> she's still long-haired Rebecca yeah, at so, this phase. I mean, she really so. looks so similar, you know? Yeah. It's so heartbreaking. I have to say, too, that baby is just adorable. The baby that plays baby Tess is just, oh, my God, a doll. She's so cute. So, I mean, all in all, I thought this whole portion with Rebecca gave me all the feels and definitely put to bed all the speculation about Miguel swooping in and grabbing her up and, you know, marrying her off or in any way she was cheating with Miguel when Jack was still alive. Any of that crap, because Beth, I guess at some point post-birth, uh, helps her set up her Facebook account. And we get a little message from Miguel saying like, howdy from Houston. I congrats on your first grandkid. Haven't talked to you in eight years. And it's like, oh, they haven't talked in eight years. So that means that we still stand to like actually find out how in the world did the two of them get together? Because I think it was very assumed that it was like, well, she moved over to his house after their house burned down and, well, one thing led to another. Yeah, I'm glad to see that that this show that I, that I hold in pretty high esteem is going to sidestep any of that salacious chicken shit drama like that. You know what I mean? I agree. And, and hopefully keep like integrity about their relationship. And, you know, again, I think I think now that we know that it even makes me like 
Ugh, about like Kevin being like, you know, not letting him wear the Pilgrim Rick hat and, you know, being kind of jerky to him and being like, whatever, Miguel, you know, like all the time. And then, you know, I know ultimately he does let him wear the Pilgrim Rick hat, but, you know, like just sort of always giving him such a hard time when they're doing something like Miguel, like even when they go to the Manny um, recording and Miguel's just like such a goofball, you know, and it's like, oh, geez. So. Anyway, I thought this episode was fantastic. I was super thrilled to get to see a different segment of their life because I feel like we were very ensconced in Deja land with Randall. Yeah. And I'm very glad that we got a breather um, and got to see a whole different part of Beth and Randall's world and even how Rebecca played into that. I realized, too, that we had seen Rebecca and Beth very little on camera together over the last season and a half. And I didn't really have a good sense of what their mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship was. The only real time we saw was really when Beth was like confronting Rebecca with like the, you know, about William. Yeah. And so it was real like unclear to me about, you know, was, was everything simpatico there? But I felt like with, with how happy Beth really was about Rebecca showing up, you know, that there was a lot, there was a lot there. And I liked seeing how this show, just like last week, showed us young Jack for an extended period of time. They show us this, this time period that I sure hope they come back to because it will fill in some really necessary gaps uh, for us in how the Pearson twins anyway wound up the way they did. That makes me happy to have to have pursued this show because it is just so well built, <laughs> you know, that it just it just keeps you not guessing. It keeps you interested in that. Oh, oh, that's what they're doing this week. That that kind of feeling. Yeah, you know? it feels like real life on like on like an amazing uh, like clips reel where like, you know, there's they there's a saying sort of in motherhood, like, you know, the days are long, but the years are short in that, like, you know, you feel so tired every day. But like you look back and it's like a blink of an eye. The kids are five years older or something. And so I feel like there's something about this show that's so unique and satisfying in that you kind of get away from the drag of the days in and the days out that happen in years and you kind of hit these high points and you really get to put the puzzle pieces together as to like, how did you get from point A to point B? Because while we all live our real lives, it's all happening so gradually that it's like you open your eyes and you're like, how did I gain 20 pounds? Or like, how did the hell did I get in this terrible whatever, fill in the blank? But it's like with this show, they can show you oh, like, look, we can pinpoint back to like what was going on and they can kind of, you know, go all around in the timeline, which I just think as a viewer feels like, man, I wish we all could do that. If we could, if we had the clips reel, we could just like, like roll it back up. There was when I made the choice, you know, that's when things, that was the fork in the road, clearly. Cherry pie and quarter pounders. And that's the Th That was the first 20 pounds. For you. Yeah. Yes. It totally was. But that was the gateway 20 pounds. <laughs> that was your gateway. He's a slim fit man now. So anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Can't wait till next week. Thanks a lot. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. Facebook or Twitter or wherever you find us. Please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks. <laughs>